This is The Good Life in Early Life, a production of Nebraska Extension. I'm your host, Emily Manning, an early childhood extension educator in Seward County. For this episode, I traveled to Gothenburg, Nebraska, a community that has risen to the challenge of the childcare gap in a noteworthy way. Be prepared to laugh and possibly cry happy tears as the two guests share their heartwarming and inspiring accounts of their work on the Gothenburg Impact Center. Our first guest serves as the Gothenburg Early Childhood Learning Coalition Community Coordinator, a position she's held since 2019. In this role, she helps facilitate and advocate for quality early child experiences in the community. She works with parents to help them find care and education opportunities for their children, supports providers in their important work with children, and connects with the community to address ongoing capacity issues. She and her husband have lived in Gothenburg since 2016 and have two teenage children. Welcome to the show, Nicole Hetz. Thank you. Happy to have you here. Our second guest is an attorney in Gothenburg, Nebraska, who focuses on estate planning and probate, real estate, business and commercial law, and economic development. He is an active member of numerous community organizations involved in economic development efforts, including early childhood education, housing, and business recruitment and expansion. In recent years, he has led the effort in Gothenburg for the investment of nearly $15 million in housing and the construction of the Gothenburg Impact Center, a community facility that will provide provide a long-term sustainable solution to childcare for local families. Welcome to the show, Colton Venteicher. Thanks. Happy to be here. Yeah, thanks for being here, both of you. So a question that I like to ask my guests on my podcast is, what is a funny memory from your childhood about you or a favorite memory just in general from your childhood? I don't have the best memory from when I was a little kid, but I, I do remember if I think about when I was young and particularly tied to like childcare pieces, I always think about my teachers and, and that's just something that kind of builds on with this, this impact center discussion and, and everything we're doing here is those teachers have such a huge impact on us when we're young children. And here I am 33, you know, 25, 30 years down the road, I still see them on social media. Uh, some of my classmates, one of my classmates from my preschool class now teaches with my preschool teacher. Um, and, and so I think just the way that the world comes full circle with that piece is probably my, my favorite memory. What were some of the things that they did in their classroom that were really special to you that stands in your memory even now? It's difficult for me to understand this because I don't spend my days with children all the time. And there's a reason for that. Uh, the people <laughs> that do that, uh, they deserve a lot of credit. But I had teachers that even though I had 40, 50, 60 kids in my age group in my class made me feel like I was a focus of their efforts. They helped me overcome obstacles that I was individually dealing with. And I think that that is a, a skill that our teachers have that, like I said, I couldn't do because there are a lot of little kids that you're making a huge impact on. Yeah, so making you feel special, even when you're a part of a group and giving you that individualized attention really just stood out to you and has made you feel cared for even, and you remember that even now. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. That was beautiful. Thank you for sharing. I have nothing. Uh, I guess you do. I can't come on with that. Yeah, that's all. That's I should have gone first. <laughs> yeah, no. 
I think for me, my favorite memory, one of my favorite memories when I think back to my childhood, I grew up in a small town. My grandparents lived on a farm a couple hours away. And so we only got to visit them a couple times a year. And so I think just the idea that freedom, that running in the yard or playing in the trees or playing in a a barn was a novelty for this town girl. And so, um, you know, that was what came to mind when you asked the question. Yeah. Having a different experience going to the farm and experiencing that freedom of being in the country surrounded by nature and the farm animals too, I'm guessing, or Uh, not not at that time? Not many animals, which gave us free reign then to all the buildings. We didn't have to worry about letting any of the livestock out. We could just let our imaginations run wild with wherever we were. Yeah. Love that. Perfect. I think a lot of people in Nebraska could probably relate to that experience of going to grandpa and grandma's house and run around in the outside in the country. Yes, definitely. All right. So let's get into why we're here today to talk about this impact center that you are working on and helping build with the community. It's a community effort. Tell me what it is for those people that don't know about it. Sure. So uh, we called it the Impact Center. It's going to be a 40,000 square foot building that will include four integrated services. So we'll have 17 classrooms for early learning, infant through preschool. At capacity, we'll be able to provide full-time care for 195 kids in the community. Along with that, we'll have a 400-person event center that'll be able to house receptions, community events, give the community a place to meet, to gather that we don't have right now. We also will have a healthy family center, and this will be a consolidation of services in the community to really help support the well-being of all the families in town, those who use the center and those who don't. Just one place that families can go looking for services or answers to questions, and that will be in collaboration with our countywide well-being collaborative. The fourth piece will be a sports training center, and this will give space for our early learning children to run and play on days when they can't go outside because of the weather, and then also for the local sports teams to use for practice on the evenings and the weekends. I love this because it just sounds like so community-focused, and it's hitting a need for what families and children need in so many different ways in just one place, one location that they can go to get all of these services, all of these facilities, It's which is a amazing. That's very, very neat. Colton, did you want to add on to that? Yeah, to build on on Nicole's answer, I think if you were to summarize in a couple of words what we're doing with the Impact Center, it's a game changer. This is something where we sat down and initially it was, okay, early childhood focused, but we had communication or conversations with our community members to figure out, okay, as a community project, what are the things we need to address? And that's why it's become something that's so much bigger. So it's going to be a game changer for Gothenburg because it's it's going to help us recruit individuals. It's going to help us retain employees. We, to this scope, I believe will be the first community in the state to have something like this. And hopefully we can lead the way for other folks yeah. throughout the community and still support the efforts really statewide to keep our families, keep our children in the state of Nebraska, which is a huge goal for especially us rural communities. Mm-hmm. I think it's a goal for the state of Nebraska. Mm-hmm. truthfully is to keep people here and what what can we do to retain them yeah so I'm really interested in like how did this idea start how did you know that you needed this in your community 
So we, uh, about five years ago, that was when Nicole and I got involved with it. Uh, but prior to that, we, we as a community, uh, knew that we had a need for preschool. And so really the first efforts tied to this were the public uh, school system stepped in and said, okay, we're going to add a public preschool program. Mm-hmm. Um, important for helping ensure that our kids, when they reach kindergarten, are prepared to start school. But what that also did for a lot of us was it opened our eyes to the fact that we simply did not have options outside of the existing providers. So we did a study, took our census data, and compared that to the existing licensed providers in town. So we were able to tell that there were about 70 to 80 kids who come from families with all available parents working, which uh, single parent families or both parents in the workforce, which as a state, we are one of the leading states with, with parents in the workforce. We had about 70 to 80 kids that didn't have access to a licensed spot. Mm-hmm. And so what that really does is that is a hindrance on our businesses. It's a hindrance on, on our economy because we don't have people in the workforce. We don't have those people getting out there. And it, it's hurtful for those kids because they're not showing up to kindergarten prepared and ready to go. Um, mm-hmm. So we sat down with all of the existing providers in town and we said, are you at capacity? And they told yeah. us, yes, we are. <laughs> we, okay. <laughs> We already can't knew take anymore, yeah. please. <laughs> but we also said, okay, can you get can you get any bigger? I mean, mm-hmm. can you build onto your space? Can you add rooms? And they all came back and said, no, we're in you know church extra space. We're in a thirty year old building that needs a new heat pump, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so it became pretty apparent right out of the gate that if we were going to address it and really create a long term solution, that it would require us to to put up a new facility. So, like I said. That was about five years ago, and obviously the different iterations of what this facility looks like have changed throughout that time period, but we continue to have those significant problems. We have over 50 kids on the wait list for our two centers here in town. Mm -hmm. Uh, The next opening for an infant spot is August of 2024. So we have families. Uh, Wait, 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 wait. Let's back up. You said August of 2024. That was not what I was expecting. I thought it was going to be a fall this year. Nope. Uh, And I have four kids, so I know how this process works. You have to do some planning there. Um, We have people that are signing up for these spots before they're even pregnant. To me, obviously, that's just, that's the biggest indicator that we have good young families that are in this community. They want to have children, but how do we attract families to our community if we don't have a place for them to take their kids when they're working? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was the need and, and this impact center piece is how we're hopefully going to address it. And then at the same time that we were having those conversations, the city was having a conversation about the need for a community event center. Uh-huh. And so that then became part of the community conversation. Mm-hmm. Once we realized what we needed to address the childcare issue, then it became how this can be become a community project and that's part of how it grew beyond just the childcare to incorporating a lot of the other elements as well. Got it. So it was kind of happening at the same time where everyone was saying like we need this, we need this. Why don't we come together and build it together? Is kind of what it sounds like. That's right. We're saving millions of dollars from a capital standpoint in terms of just putting the facility up at the same time creating efficiencies with our contractor and whatnot, but we're also creating a efficiencies when it comes to operations. So if the city was going to operate an event center on their own, it's going to cost them well over $100,000 a year to to put that on. Well, we looked at it and said, we're going to have a full 
old time facility operation already going on in this in this same location. Mm-hmm. Maybe we can share some some employee roles and responsibilities and create some oh, efficiency uh-huh. that way. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking about like maintenance, custodial work. Mm-hmm. Having that same kind of staff would cut down on some of those costs and make it more efficient. Absolutely. Yeah, cost efficient. Mm-hmm. For those who may be interested, do you think you could share how you calculated the numbers you've been mentioning for this project? So it's a, a, a world that uh, I was not prepared to dive into. I have a business background and uh, deal with uh, a lot of numbers, but the, the numbers related to child care and just the operation of those types of facilities are uh-huh. extremely complex because you have private tuition rates, you have public uh, Title 20 subsidy, you have food reimbursement rates. Mm-hmm. Um, you Obviously, we have to take all of that, combine it, figure out, okay, are we going to be at full capacity per classroom or are we going to be short two kids? How does that impact our bottom line? And really, it all comes down to wages too. And really, that's the reason why we have this issue in the state of Nebraska as a whole. We cannot charge our families what it actually costs us to pay people people quality wages. Yeah. Um, so how do we address that? Well, what we did was we backed into it. We said, okay, if we're going to charge a certain rate and that rate's going to be affordable for everybody in our community, and we're going to pay our people livable wages, which we can talk about. I know that's a yeah, really it's... fluid term. Mm-hmm. We know there's going to be a shortfall operationally. How do we, how do we fix that or how do we address it? So like I said, we backed into it. We identified if we were to put this facility up, pay people 12 to $15 an hour and not significantly increase their current rates, we are going to have about a two to $300,000 operating shortfall. How do you come up with that money, <laughs> yeah. right? Because uh, yeah. we've already said we're not going to pass it along to the families. Right? Right. right. So that's where our partnerships with the city, the school, and the hospital really were formed. We went to them and said, this is, you guys know this is important. You're already investing in childcare in some instances. Can you help us out with that budget shortfall for the community. And we got very positive responses from all those groups to the point where the city's putting in $100,000 a year to help out with our operations. The school's putting in $175,000 a year. Now, mind you, they're already spending that on their current preschool program. It's got 15 kids. All we said was, we'll take your 15 kids on and instead of over $10,000 cost per pupil, you're going to allocate that same money and you benefit 140 kids at $700 cost per pupil. Mm -hmm. So that was beneficial from that side. And then the hospital stepped in and they've they've hired people and had them quit two weeks later because they couldn't find childcare. Oh, wow. And so they, they said, yep, we know this is something we want to be a part of. And mm-hmm. they're the biggest employer in town. They employ about 180 people. Yep. They're going to provide employer provided childcare to every employee in their, uh, in their oh, facility. Okay. So they're like buying spots. So they kind of, is that yeah, how you would describe it? Or It's been a conversation on a okay, or they promised a certain amount of spots. We built enough capacity into this space that you don't have a dedicated spot, but they are a single full-time payor for all of those families that are coming in. So from, from our standpoint, operationally, it's going to help us because we just bill them instead of having to go through individual people and waiting on bills to be paid and whatnot. So, right, um, right. And again, it benefits them because it's going to be a huge recruitment tool. Absolutely. To know that you have that guaranteed yes. child care and education right at their fingertips. 
So you said it's been five years. Is that how long it's taken in total from beginning to end? So like Colton said, this conversation has been going on in the community for well over 10 years. He and I both got involved in this process about five years ago. And that's when the numbers, we really got our numbers and we knew that gap of 70 kids. And that was then when the Gothenburg Early Childhood Learning Coalition Board looked at the numbers and said, it's up to us to make a plan Mm -hmm. on how to get those kids into licensed spots. So looking at the numbers, the board realized that really is another center. That's Mm -hmm. the size of another center. And so that's when the conversation about needing to build something really started. You know, like Colton said, we went through several steps to figure out what it was that the community wanted us to build and um, met with providers the first time to find out what capacity was, met with providers the second time then to say, okay, we're ready to move forward with plans to build. Do you want to be part of it? Mm -hmm. And that really gave us then the number we were working with. We knew Mm -hmm. what our total capacity needed to be. And so that all took time. And then we spent a year really trying to get a handle on that operating budget piece. More than just, Mm -hmm. can we build the building, but can we operate it? Can we make it efficient? Can we make it really something that will serve the community? and not take from the community. And so that took us a good part of 2020. At the same time, then we were working with an architect to figure out if we have this many kids, what does our building need to look like? What Mm -hmm. size are we talking? Worked through the programming and the building. We started fundraising then early 2021. So we've been at that for well over two years and then kept working on the building plan. We were able to get that finalized and really ready to to go summer of 22. So it's been a process fairly in-depth for the last five years, but we feel good about where we are because we've spent a lot of time on the foundational work. We've asked every question Mm -hmm. we could think of so that when we get the questions, we've got answers to the community and really have put in that due diligence to know where we're going and, and why it's the best way for the community to go. Yes, absolutely. So I hear both of you talking about this and how important was it to involve like the providers, to involve the school, to involve all these people? I mean, I, every person that you add into it just makes it can make it more complicated. It sounds like that was important to you as you were moving forward. You want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I would say uh, how long did this take to put together? It, it, it's taken just the right amount of time because we took every step uh, that was necessary to bring people on board. Mm-hmm. When we started having those conversations with providers, like I said, five years ago on are you at capacity can you get any bigger that was that was all of our providers this this impact center will bring some of them into the fold the ones that wanted to mm-hmm. but we still sat down with some of the folks that we knew from the very beginning they had no desire to become a part of this yeah and there were some that were not too pleased that we were going to oh, be no. bringing about competition. Oh, no. But it took it took having those conversations and uh, bringing them into the fold, developing that trust so that between us and them so that they understood, OK, we we really are trying to do this for the betterment of the community. Uh, we're not mm-hmm. nobody's getting run out of town. We're still going to support each other. We're all going to work together. And that when you talk about the broader scope of the project, that's 
also why it was important to bring in the community too. This is a community facility. And if you don't incorporate the opinions, the beliefs, even though it makes things a hundred times more complex <laughs> um, of all those community members, then then you're not building a community facility. So it, it certainly made it take longer. It certainly expanded the scope. But what we are getting is what our community wants. Yes. So you're putting in that work to make sure that this project, this impact center will be successful for the community because it's had the input of everybody in the community. And also bouncing on what you said, Nicole, it's going to be self-sufficient. It's going to be sustainable. It's going to be here. It's going to be able to stay for a long time. Yep. We could raise, to be honest, uh, enough capital to put up however big of a facility we needed. And that's already you know pretty big. But what we needed to do from the gate was make sure we could keep the lights on 10 years from now, because nobody wants to see an empty building that they spent yeah. a lot of money to put up. So that was, like Nicole said, our biggest uh, piece before we really even started talking capital campaign, not only because we wanted to make sure we had a plan, but also we needed to answer those questions to our donors. They wanted to make sure, okay, if I'm going to give money to something, this is going to actually be that solution. Yes. So this is a lot. <laughs> this is a lot. You're telling me. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure you don't need to hear that from me, but I, you, I can tell that it has a lot of complexity. And you can't do this alone. This is definitely community efforts. But when you involve a lot of people, as we've said, it's complex. How do you organize? How do you structure this work? How do you divide out these responsibilities to make this actually happen? Well, the GECLC board of directors really helped give the direction. Like I said, they're the ones who looked at the numbers and said, we need to build to fix this problem. And so they cast the vision and really helped kind of point us towards the solution, the direction we needed to go. After that, they recognized that the board was made up of volunteers, professionals in the community who all have full-time jobs. And so it became necessary to have someone who could devote some time, some attention to the process. And so we that's where... A, we found a Nicole is what we did. <laughs> so we needed somebody to help us get things done. I mean, we were all volunteers and Nicole was on the board, but a few of us kind of knew, okay, Nicole would really be the person who could help actually drive this forward. And so we hired her as the full-time community coordinator in the mm -hmm. 2019. Mm -hmm. This project, we'd still be talking about this as a concept if, if we didn't have a Nicole who could help us get things through to the finish line. So I interrupted you, but... That's quite all right. <laughs> because I was, I was dancing around. I, I couldn't do my job without a Colton because uh -huh. he, he understands the business side of it. Yes. And so he has really, he's donated so much of his time to the business side of the project. The incorporate, incorporation and organization of the entities mm -hmm. that we've had to put together to make this mm -hmm. the project it is. The negotiation of the contracts, working with the construction details, leading the fundraising effort, mm -hmm. like seeing the big picture and knowing the pieces that need to to go together, the economic development piece of it, that has all been huge in kind of steering the ship. Mm -hmm. And really, I'm just in the back 
pedaling like crazy to keep the ship moving forward, but having somebody who understands the complexities of the business side and can really pull all that together has been incredibly important. So having that and then the coordinator really being able to do the in-house production of the campaign materials, the Mm -hmm. social media, the website presence, the tracking of the donations, the keeping everything organized, you know, really that's kind of how our, our division of responsibilities has fallen. We did have a project committee made up of community members that helped with the design in the final building plan and so had input from stakeholders on how the building finally came together. So we, we've got volunteers on top of the two of us on the board. There's a, yeah, there's a difficult ba- difficult balance, I think, between got to have the people who are going to get things done, right? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But they can't be the ones making every decision. And so mm-hmm. I think as a community, we've done a really good job of pulling those committees together. Like Nicole said, you have GECLC, that's the board of directors uh, of that nonprofit who kind of started this. And we put the project committee together. We have the steering committee. Now we have a board of directors for this actual operating entity, the Impact Center, and they're going to finalize really the budget and, and the policies based on current rates and all those pieces. So again, it, it, it's a it's a delicate balance between Nicole and I trying to move things forward and annoying people to raise money and to sign off on this or that, but also ensuring that you have those stakeholders providing that input. Mm-hmm. Kind of like a balance between like the business side, the early childhood side, and then also the community to make those decisions. Those stakeholders can make those decisions together. So really pulling on everyone's strengths. And you couldn't do that without kind of all of those parts those big parts. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I would say uh, because we've been a part of a lot of these discussions with other communities and they're really trying to find the solution to childcare, right? Yeah. One thing that I think we realized pretty early on was even though they bring a lot to the table, sometimes those early childhood providers are not their best advocates when it comes to moving this piece forward. Yeah. They live in a different world than our business community and our elected officials. And so that's where I saw myself having some value to pushing this forward was I don't live in the early childhood world. I don't want to. I love my four (laughs) kids, but my wife does a fantastic job of taking care of them during the day. So I can, I can be, I I can be at work. And it's, it's kind of the same thing. We have this business community that understands there's a need, but they speak a different language than our early childhood providers. So we found a way, I think through me, at least with the business piece to communicate to those individuals that brought them on, on as partners ultimately. I'm really interested in that because I'm seeing that. But how do you make those two worlds talk to each other? How do you find that common language? What have you found that works mm-hmm. to so bridge the gap? We broke it down, I would say, into two two approaches. One was the the science, and that is uh, mm-hmm. the importance of, okay, this is how our kids are going to benefit if they receive high quality early childhood care and education. That still resonates with our businesses, right? We all want to see our kids grow up to be successful. But as a business person, you look to data, right? You want to see those yeah. statistics. And there's plenty of that information out there. It just needs to be presented in a way that that uh, those folks will, will receive it. The second piece is the economic side. So it's not just, okay, 
okay, financially, how would we make this thing work? But how is this impacting you as a business? We did a survey as a community and asked the respondents, we asked the employees and the employers, how has a lack of childcare impacted your ability to attend work, to work uh, in a quality manner? How has your employees' lack of access to childcare negatively impacted your business? We were then able to turn around and show them that, hey, this is the most significant, even above housing, this is the most significant drawback to your business right now. Wow. Yes. We all need to add houses too, right? We yeah, can't recruit yeah. people to our communities if they don't have a place to live and we don't have a place for them to take their kids. But I do think that traditionally childcare has not been viewed as something that's that's been important. But taking those responses from those business owners themselves and their employees and giving it back to them, I think helped open a lot of eyes to the need. Yeah, because it was in their own words. And it's it's built from there. I mean, we've seen businesses start to provide childcare stipends to their employees to help make those payments because they want those employees to be in the office, right? Uh, it's helped get our business community involved with our capital campaign. They know that this will help provide them more stability as a business. And, and so that initial approach again, using data, using the science helped open the door. And these are smart people. These are small business owners, right? Mm -hmm. They they are very successful individuals uh, in their own right. They just needed, we needed to find a way to break that ice initially. And that's how we did Mm -hmm. it. Go ahead, Nicole. You looked like you wanted to add on. And I think part of it too is giving these people a voice. Um, My husband is a manager at a business here in town and he's lost several high quality employees Mm -hmm. because they haven't been able to find childcare. And so I think when you have those conversations with the businesses and Mm -hmm. say, we know this is a problem for you and we want to help solve it for you, then it creates that partnership because they're saying, I know it's a problem. It's negatively affecting my Uh business, but I don't know how to fix it. If you're saying you can help me, Mm -hmm. then I want to support you. And it, it creates that circle and it's given us a lot of support in the business community without them having to understand the ins and the outs the jargon, the vocabulary, they just know there's somebody who's working on their behalf to fix this problem. And someone that they can trust to do it right. right. Yes. Right. Are going to stop right here, listeners, for this episode, but we will continue to explore the Gothenburg Impact Center with Colton and Nicole in our next episode. Some things we're going to cover include how the project is being funded, the economic model of early childhood, and advice for other communities who are also experiencing a child care gap. So stay tuned, look out for our next episode to drop um, if you are interested in this topic and hearing more from Colton and Nicole. This has been an episode of The Good Life in Early Life, a Nebraska Extension Early Childhood production with your host, Emily Manning. For more information on early childhood, check out our website at child.unl.edu. If you like the show, subscribe and tell your friends to listen. The podcast show production team is Emily Manning, Dr. Holly Hatton, Ingrid Lindahl, Aaron Campbell, Linda Reddish, Kim Wellsant, and Katie Krause. See you next time and thanks for listening. (laughs) 